0: Father, tonight we thank you for the ministry of the Word of God. May it bring forth much fruit in our lives tonight. And Lord, change us. Lord, as we began this series, we declared that if we stay faithful to you and allow you to speak to us through the book of of James, that it would make a big difference in our life for the long haul. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. How many of you are in it for the long haul? Woo-hoo, just tell somebody, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm in it for the long haul. I'm not in this for the, just for the, for the moment. I'm in this for the long haul, you know, and that, that really means that, that we're going to stick to it and we're going to stay the course and we're going to keep uh, applying God's word in our life. And so uh, that's my mindset, uh, and I pray that would be your mindset today as well. And so bring, and I opened up my message today, or just now. I almost preached you Sunday's message there again, so I have a different one there, so we'll put that one back. Y'all might have got saved tonight if I'd have done that, so, uh, so we're looking at James. Turn to James chapter 1, and before we even really get into our PowerPoint tonight and the, the meat of the message tonight, can anybody remember kind of, you don't have to hit it exactly, the theme or kind of the main thought of James that we've been discussing Anybody remember the main thought? Perseverance, Perseverance that's part of it. May, uh, yep, really that's it. It's his his overall theme is is developing a faith that works. A real faith. And you see that throughout the book of James and endurance is a big part of that, stay in the course and and staying focused and so we looked at that, and, and we realized that James... Uh, who is James related to in Scripture? He's Jesus' little brother. How many of you know Jesus had a little brother? Yeah, little brother. Uh, and so, because she was a virgin, if you remember. Okay, so had to be little brother. How, James. Now, there's different James. There's there's James uh, uh, and John. Is James and John were the brothers? That's not this guy. Uh, James is... In fact... James, the brother of Jesus, was not a believer during Jesus' ministry on earth. If you remember, uh, uh, if you go to 1 Corinthians 15, which we did Sunday and talked about the gospel, it talks about after he rose from the dead, uh, he made himself manifest to a number of people, and Paul makes note that, and to James. Uh, so, so James was not a believer, in fact, we showed you last week then a couple of places the family did an intervention trying to get him to come home because he was, comf- he was telling everybody he was God. And they thought, oh, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus is off this rocker. Uh, and so James, most theologians believe, at the resurrection, when he saw his brother die and then rise from the dead, uh, he said, oh. And so you see in the first book of James, he doesn't say James, the half-brother of Jesus. He said, James, bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He figured it out. And God used him dramatically in the New Testament as the pastor, I believe the pastor of the first century church ultimately there in Jerusalem. Uh, and the letter was written to the persecuted church, scattered abroad, if you remember the first part. So he's writing letters to the churches that were being birthed and the ministry that was being expanded along all over the world because of persecution. He's writing this letter to them, and, and man, he's hardcore. I'm telling you, he starts off counting it all joy, and you know that. And, and, but then he says, if you don't have faith, don't be thinking God's going to give you anything. You've got to ask in faith. You'll be like a surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Don't let that man expect he'll get anything from God. Gee, thanks, Pastor. That encouraged me. i got the warm fuzzies. Uh, but he's, hey, he's cutting right to the chase, and that's what we need in our life. We need a strong word in our life to keep us moving forward in our faith. So that's kind of the little 30-second snapshot of the book of James. And so we're going to look tonight uh, at at the passage beginning in verse, oh, 19, and I'll read all the way through 27. So uh, here we go. Just follow with me, and I'll introduce what we're going to say tonight. And it might take me 45, 50 minutes. Everybody got a little patience? Amen? I'm excited. I have a great... hey. Easter got me jazzed up. I'm I'm still jazzed. I'm ready to teach the word. Here we go. James says this Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness. Everyone say, Receive with meekness. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man or this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks himself to be religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. And he's using this word religion in a positive sense here. I used it in a negative sense Sunday, but this is a positive sense. This one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. And everybody said amen. Now, just from that passage, and, and, and when you link the theme, developing a faith that works, understand something, well, what we're going to talk about tonight, uh, really about the Word of God, and hearing the Word, and, and doing the Word, uh, it's certainly paramount to to us living a life of faith because how many of you know faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing the word of God. And so the more of the word of God that you hear, uh, and in fact, the word hear, uh, when Jesus used it in reference to the word of God, and really in this case as well, it's hear with the intent of obey. How many of you know you can hear with a skeptical? You have ears to hear, but you cannot really hear because you're not hearing with the purpose of, Of obeying, And so that's the context that we'll look at uh, in in just a moment. But I want to just kind of jump down into the thick of this because we're going to talk about the, it's the Word of God that we're talking about tonight. I want you to look at verse 25 and I want you to see James descriptive of the Word of God. He calls the Word of God the perfect law of liberty. Everyone say the perfect law of liberty. Now, I love that. I'm telling you, he, he, he gave it some, some, some meat. I'm telling you, he described it in a way. That word perfect means complete and whole. How many of you know, let me just stop and say this again. I got to say this about what we're talking about. When you, This is the word of God. This is not just a history book. It's his story. And it's his, in fact, as we'll see tonight... It, all Scripture, the Bible says, is given by inspiration from God. That's theonoustos, breathed out of the nostrils of God. And is profitable, uh, Paul said to Timothy, for doctrine, for, for reproof, for training in righteousness, that the man, and I'll say or woman, may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so, so with that, if that be true, this word, he called it the perfect, complete, whole law of liberty. So, hey, there's nothing nothing missing here. There's, you, you, he, you've got his word, his love letter to you. It's perfect. It's complete. It'll transform your life. It's not just words about God. It's the word of God. Amen. So I want us to more and more embrace that truth in our heart, that we hold God's word in our heart. And let me say, though I certainly have the Bible on my phone, I think there's something special about the written word of God. So I want to encourage you to not become so, so, elect, so technology, technologically advanced. What if technology goes down the tubes or something? You've got to have that book. You've got to be familiar. I just want to encourage you to make sure you, you don't throw the baby out with a bathwater. I, I'm not being critical with the uh, technology. I use it all the time. But there's something good about reading the book, okay, holding the book. I. Uh, maybe I'm old school but it's complete he called it the law of liberty now he's not using it in a legal sense this word law is not in a legal sense uh oh let me throw this i meant to say this about perfect that word perfect infers divine origin that's what i just mentioned to you he said it's the perfect complete altogether right word of god it it is it it invite, it infers his his descriptive infers that it's Divinely inspired, and that's the scripture I quoted to you a few moments ago. Let me I'll give you the reference if you want it. Second uh, uh, Timothy three sixteen, I quoted it, kind of quoted it, I think I did all scriptures given by inspiration from God. Theonustos, the Greek word, breathed out of the nostrils of God. And he said it's the law. And that's not a legal term in this case. It's he's talking about directives and principles. He called it the perfect uh, principles and directives of God's word and he said it's the law of what liberty somebody say liberty I love that because the word of God listen uh, <coughs> how many of you know God created the law to show the children of Israel that they were incapable of com- fulfilling the law how many of you know that to be true in fact, you read that in the New Testament, it was really a babysitter, the Bible says. It was a, it was a babysitter just to kind of hold God's people in check until the message of the gospel and the, and the grace of God could be made manifest that truly brought people back into right relationship with God. And so, I love what he says. It's the, it's the perfect law, the, the directives and principles that lead us to what? liberty. Now, where did James learn that? From his big brother. What did his big brother Jesus say in John 8, 31 and 32? He said, if you continue in my word, oh, there it is, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. Everybody say, know the truth. Know the truth. And the truth shall do what? It'll set you free. I'm telling you. Who? Man. This Word of God, as we'll conclude tonight, we, hey, it is powerful and righteous altogether. And, and in this law, which is perfect, hey, everything you need is right here. It's complete. Divinely inspired of God. If you will listen tonight and follow through with what we're going to say tonight, it'll bring great liberty in your life. Greater levels of liberty. I'm convinced tonight, if we'll apply what we're going to hear tonight and really begin to lift the Word of God and and to a new precedent in our life that greater levels of liberty and freedom will be made manifest in our life in many, many, many different areas. And everybody said, Amen. Now, how many of you tonight, something in you uh, just says, what the heck is the bicycle doing here? Anybody curious about the bicycle? Some people don't. You just say it's Pastor Sam. I don't know what he's doing. But the bicycle. Now... The bicycle, and I love my bike, it's not a grandiose bike, it, it's, it's an old man's bike. But how many of you know it has two pedals? All right, there's two pedals. Now, how many of you know without one pedal, you, you'd be in, 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 in trouble, right? In fact, I blew a pedal out the other day, and had to go to Walmart. I just wanted to buy one pedal. But how many of you know you can't buy just one pedal? So I got two new pedals. And, and, and each pedal is important. In fact, I want to challenge anybody in here to ride this bike without using one pedal. Does anybody here think they can do it? Anybody want to try? You want anybody to humiliate themselves? You just can't do it. I'll tr- I mean, I can't get the momentum going to use just one pedal. You know what a lot of people do in church and with the word of God, they just try out one pedal and you cannot make it into God's purpose and plan. And the two pedals that we're going to talk about tonight are this. Everybody say, hear the word, do the word, hear the word, do the word. Everybody go, hear the word, do the word, hear the word, do the word, hear the word, do the word, hear the word, do the word. Go me, go me, hear the word, do the word. You know what, people, are? I, let me just tell you, a lot of good going, you know, there's a lot of hearers. But as we'll hear tonight, they're hearers only, and they deceive themselves. So you've got to hear the word with the intent of obeying the Word and doing the Word. Are you with me tonight? Say amen. So tonight, let's talk about hearing the Word for just a little bit. uh, And just uh, realize this, uh, as you hear the Word, verse 19 and 20, you know, we're going to look at, gosh, uh, we're going to look at all of this. But uh, really, verse 21 says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive. Everybody say receive. That word receive means this. It means to to accept and allow something into your life. How many of you have ever heard something you said, I ain't receiving that, brother? In other words, I'm not letting that in my life. Somebody speaks something bad, I ain't receiving that. I'm not letting that into my life. Because how many of you know words are powerful? But the Word of God is more powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's able to pierce between soul and uh, marrow. And uh, Hebrews says it'll pierce into your heart and change your life. Uh, And so we've got to hear the Word, receive the Word, accept the Word, allow the Word into our heart. Now, uh, you don't necessarily need to go there. But uh, Jesus taught this in Luke chapter 8, really in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The parable of the soils. Remember the parable of the soils? And I'm not even going to go there. I just want to hit the high parts for you. But you need to go there and understand these parables. They're little stories that have a spiritual truth. And he talked about the seed going into different types of ground. And here's the parable, basically this. He said, there's some seed uh, that uh, goes by the wayside. And you know what happens to the seed that goes by the wayside? The devil come, or really the, the parable, the beginning, the birds come and pick the seed up. It doesn't even make it anywhere because it's by the wayside. And then there's the rocky soil. a seed that's sown into the rocky soil, and it has no real depth of of of, uh, of, of soil. And so it springs up, but, but, because it has no depth of soil, it dies because it's in rocky soil. And then there's the seed that's thorn, sown in the thorns and the, the, the seed springs up and, but the thorns and the briars, they choke the life out of that, of that seed in its life. And then there's those that, that sown in the good ground and it brings forth a great harvest. Now, what Jesus was teaching was the condition of our heart affects how His Word is made manifest in our life. You know, the wayside may have actually said, come on, Word of God, I don't know. The rocky saw, whoo, man, we appreciate the Word. You know, uh, we're hearing the Word. Uh, and But then the one that's hanging out in the wrong places with the thorns, uh, it's really the cares of this. When Jesus describes this and gives the illustration, it says, the cares of this world choke out the Word. In other words, we were hearing it, but we were not obeying it or responding to it. Other things influenced our life. But then there's the one who heard it, and he had good soil in his heart. His heart was good soil. And the Word of God was made real in his life. And the harvest of God. And here's what what it says. Receive the Word with meekness. Or receive with meekness the implanted word see God wants to plant his word in the good soil of your heart so that word can bring forth fruit and bring to you to a place of blessing and prosperity as we'll see (coughs) pardon me (coughs) here just a little bit (coughs) so with that in mind I want to look back in James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, because uh, there's some, some interesting insight. James is addressing some things in, in people's life. That hinder the capacity that really could be a, a, a soil, if you will, of somebody's life. But he kind of gives it a different thought. He says this in verse nineteen and twenty, and verse twenty-one. He said, "Then, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be quick, uh, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of weakness and receive the meekness, the implanted word, which is able to save your Souls. Everyone say, "Save your soul." Now we'll talk about that in just a moment. But but I want to show you, kind of, they're hidden within those verse nineteen and 20, uh, 20 and twenty one are are some person. I don't know if you call them personality types. Maybe they are. There's some the flaws of life that people let develop in their life that hinder God's Word from, from coming in and really maybe even stifle the power of God in their life because of these, these issues that people let develop in their life that are counterproductive when it comes to living a life where your life is receptive to what God has to say to you. And here they are. The first one is, I'm just going to call him the deaf person. The deaf. Now, I'm not talking about Physically unable to hear, but spiritually unable to hear. Because what does he say? Let so then, my brethren, let everyone be swift to hear. So, what do you learn about that? What's he? What's he? What is, what's he really addressing? Those that are not listening. Those that are ears are plugged up by the other things of this life, by the voices of this world. He said, you gotta, hey, you gotta be swift to hear. If you're going to, he's going somewhere with his thought. He's getting to the place. He's talking about building a lifestyle of, uh, that where your faith works. He said, you gotta, you you gotta be swift to hear. You can't be dull in your hearing. In fact, Scripture teaches that there are people who have ears to hear, but they cannot hear. Other things have got their ear. They can't hear the Word of God. They're, they're, they've got a wall against the Word of God. There are other issues of God. And so their ears are all, you know, there's just voices running wild, and the Word of God cannot get in. And so he comes along. He addresses that. He said, you've got to be swift to hear. And so let me tell you something. If you're, if you're among those that are... I don't think so. I'm preaching to the choir here. But, hey, if, if you find yourself at a place where you just really not hear it... Have you ever heard somebody say I hear this as a pastor every once in a while. I can't imagine it. People say, Pastor, I'm just not being fed. You ever heard anybody say that? I'm just not being fed. I, so I, I try I try to be nice, but I'm older now, but so I get a little cranky. Oh, okay, so last Sunday when you're here and I preached, that didn't feed you. No, I'm just not being fed. Would you like me to review what I said last week? Because it fed my soul. I think there may be something wrong with your hearing. And Something's got your hearing clogged up. Because the Word of God, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. I'm telling you, the Word is, He said, hey, that Word is is life to our soul. So there's the death. That'll certainly keep your faith from growing, right? If you're not hearing the Word... You're not growing, okay? You're not not being blessed. So there's the deaf person. uh, Jesus said, you've got to be swift to hear. And then he said another one. He said, you've got to be slow to speak. You know who he's talking to there? The jabber box. The jabber box. Do you know a lot of people are jabber boxes. They cannot hear because they're talking all the time. And I'm convinced that many people, God's wanting to talk to them, but they won't be quiet long enough for him to speak. These are the kind of people that think, that don't think before they speak. I've told you that. I heard that from Robert Morris. There's four kinds of people. I may repeat it when we get to the tongue. He said, there's people who, who speak before they think. That's the jabber box. Then there's those who speak while they think. That's me. <laughs> I'm, I, you know, when you're a communicator, Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's not so good. Then there's people who think or or speak after they think. Pretty smart. Slow to speak. And then he said, then there's the fourth one. There's just some that just don't ever think. They just never think. Uh, That could be true. But let me tell you something. What's he addressing? The person who just, have you ever met anybody? You may be sitting next to him. I don't know. You'd like to converse with them. But while you're talking to them, they're not listening to you. They're, 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 they're waiting to jump back in with what they want to say. And so they never hear the conversation. They never hear the other side. My wife's con- uh, said out of that way a little bit. I just don't receive it or believe it. I can't imagine I would do that. but But understand something. Conversation. Uh, is a two-way street and so if we're always talking and i'm not talking even talking about just with our mouth if we're always busy in our thinks and our and we're just we're just we can't shut that off long enough to hear and receive god's word that blocks the word of god can you imagine god trying to speak to somebody they won't shut up long enough for him to talk to them. Y- y'all are thinking that's just kind of well, oh that's kind of silly. james the pastor of the church he said, you better be swift here and slow to speak. That sounds real spiritual. You know what he was saying? Shut up a minute. Let God talk to us. So there's the deaf person, the jabber box. And then there's the other kind of person. There's the hothead. Man, this guy, he, God can't speak to the hothead. What is he saying here? Slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. He said, hey, a lot of you guys got a short fuse. You got to learn uh, you're so angry all the time. God can't. How many of you know when you when you're all bent out of shape all the time, God cannot speak to you. It puts a. It, in fact, hey, it puts a, a a roadblock between you and God and His Word. And if all you're doing is telling God off about what He needs to do and what your issues are, uh, uh, or whoever else, He said you. Hey, that's that's not going to produce within you the righteous fruit that he has for you. It's the hothead. God can't speak to a hothead. Are you with me? And then another one, hey, and this is interesting, from verse 21, the hypocrite. What's a hypocrite? He, said, he says one thing and does another, or he's, or he's uh, he says he's this way and he lives another, he's like two people. I don't, y'all probably never met any of those, but you know. But what does he say? He says, "Hey, let me tell you something." Verse 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive the meekness of the implanted word. In other words, you can't live a double life. You can't live a dual life. You can't you can't be you can't be traipsing around in the dark on Friday and Saturday night and show up on church on Sunday morning and smile on your face and go, "I got the Victor living in me." Yeah, I mean it's just it's hypocritical. You got you can't be hypocritical. And, you know, a lot of, you know what a lot of hypocrites do? Why they don't come to church? Because there's hypocrites at the church. You ever heard that one? I ain't going to church because there's hypocrites there. You, how would you know? You hadn't been in 25 years. I, I'm just playing. And then, and then there's the know-it-all. How many of you know God can't talk to a know-it-all? He says you receive with meekness, with humility, Listen, if you know it all, if you're pride and arrogant, prideful and arrogant, God can't get through that. You know why? The Bible says he resists the proud. How's he gonna speak to you or speak to me we're talking to somebody, I'm sorry. How's he gonna speak to us if we if we're arrogant and prideful? And we don't have a meekness about us that allows his word to make a difference in our life. So I just wanted to throw that out at you with those two verses, kind of reading between the lines a little bit, but maybe not because you know what James is doing? He's setting these people up. He said, hey, here's some issues that that will hinder you from being able to receive the word of God, which is implanted into into your heart and it will save your soul. So let me ask you this about when we think about hearing the Word. Everybody say, hear the Word. And, and receiving it into our life. What would it be in us? It may not, you may not fall in any of these categories, but a, a good question for you to ask yourself and for us to ask ourselves, what, in it, what is it in me that would hinder me from hearing with the intent of obeying God's Word, which is, which is per, the perfect law of liberty, What about me hinders God and His Word from making it through into my life? I think that'd be a great question for all of us to ask because he's addressing it to the church here. He's saying there's some issues that are going on in people's life that are hindering them from being able to receive God's Word and it be implanted in our life. God forbid that I should be so callous (coughs) in some area that God comes and speaks to me, and the birds of the air come and snatch it up, and it never makes its way into my heart. God forbid that my life should be so convoluted that the the soil is so shallow that it springs up, and everybody goes woo But then, hey, the next day, man, church sure was a good Sunday, but Monday is. God forbid that our lives would be so jumbled in the middle of this world that we live in the world and we're trying not to be of the world, but we're so in the world that the world is choking the life right out of us and the word becomes unfruitful in our life. I see that all. May our hearts be good soil. Amen. So, everybody say, hear the word. Now, here's just a verse for you. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. It says this. You can look it up later, but hey, I love it. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. And here's the phrase that I love in reference to our heart. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Everybody say, break up the fallow ground. Is there any gardeners in the house? Any gardeners? I've been planting flowers lately. I don't know if I'm getting in touch with my feminine side or not, but but I'm I'm kind of a flower guy. In fact, last year I bought my wife, I don't think it was Easter. Might have been Mother's Day. I don't know what it was. I bought her a... I think it's a lily, I'm not sure, but it's bulbed in it, and so I left it in the pot, and uh I got it out front, and I keep looking down what's growing it's coming back from from Latin from the bulb, and I keep looking down there, come out, come out wherever you are, so it's a big family. When's it going to bloom? We don't know, I was hoping Easter, but it didn't work, but uh, hey uh I'm not a gardener, but I know that you've got to tend to the soil if you're going to you know, if you're, if there's going to be good success, and here's the word of God comes to the children of Israel, you got to break up the fallow ground. If you want God to speak to you, if you want the righteousness of God in your life, if you want to sow righteousness, you better get your heart to a place where God can speak to you. That's why I says seek the Lord. You get in His presence, start seeking Him. He'll begin to speak to you. Amen. So, with that in mind, let's talk about doing the Word. Look in verse 22. He said, be doers, but be doers. Oh, let me just throw this out. I mentioned it earlier last week. He said, receive with meekness the implanted Word, which is able to save your souls. Now, I'm going to talk about this in a minute, but let me just say, he's not talking about salvation here. He's talking about, uh, as a Christian, your soul, if you want to call it your mind, will and emotions, and we'll address that in a moment, but I didn't want you to get I wanted to throw that part out to you. So he says, don't be a hearer of the word, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. The word doer means one who performs. Now, here's the illustration. Uh, it's uh, use the illustration of employer and employee. How many of you know employers hire people to do something? <laughs> and hires them to do, it. in fact, I heard this story one time, a guy came by, uh, he kept walking by one of his colleagues' office, and he was just sitting there staring out the window, every day just staring out the window, just eating him up, he's working his hiney-rimey off, and every day he come walk, his colleagues just staring out the window, so finally, I all not stands. I can't stand no more, he goes into the boss, said, I just got, I've just got a problem, something I got to share with, Got to get off my chest, he said, uh, he said, well, what is it, he said, you know, Joe Bob down there, and Office 4B, he says, yeah. I don't I, I, I'm not a tattletale or anything. I'm working hard as I can work. Every time I walk by there, are staring out the window. Boss says, I know. You know? He says, what do you mean? He says, well, we pay him to do that. He's doing us a service. Explain. He said, well, last year, while he was staring out the window, he came up with an idea that saved us $27 million. And then made us another $14 million. We paid Joe to stare out the window. He's doing something. But how I many know every employer expects his employees to perform a task? Correct? And so, catch this. Can you imagine an employee? You get him in there and say, okay. You know, here's the task, here's it all. And the employee, you just come back a week later and he's just sitting there staring at it. Man, this is great. I love my job. But he doesn't do the task. He's trying to ride the bicycle with one pedal. It just does not work. You can't just be a hearer of the Word and expect anything to happen in your life or anything to be changed. you got to hear the Word, do the Word. Everybody say, hear the Word. Do the word. Have you ever had anybody ever heard anybody say, I'm claiming that in Jesus' name? They're just claiming it, but they're not doing anything to get from point A to point B. I'm claiming my healing, smoking a cigarette and, and eating fried chicken till Jesus comes. I, come on, I, I'm preaching to myself here. You I'm just, you know, I'm claiming this fat goes away in Jesus' name. No, you gotta do something about it. Am I, are you with me? Say amen. So so here comes James going. To, hey, if you want to live, if you want a faith that works, you got to hear it and then you got to do it. Think about this thought, and this has undoubtedly happened in your house if you have children. You get up and you realize it's trash day. You know who the kid is today in my house. to do the trash. They all moved off, so I'm the kid, but. There was a day when when you could say this, okay, it's trash day. I can't, uh, you know, Nathan, Stacy, Larbel, whatever. Y'all get all the trash out, put it in the and take the trash out to the road. It's trash day. Take out the trash. And so you come home there's no the trash is all still family meeting. We have to talk about this. When I left, I told you to take out the trash. Imagine this. Kids go, we know. In fact, we started talking about trash. And did you know we started reading in the Bible about trash? Did you know there's a place in Jerusalem back when the, in Jerusalem was dead outside the city called Gehenna that was a place of trash where they carried all their trash. There's Bible verses about trash. Yes. And so we got to discussing it. In fact, we, we got on the internet and we found a whole lot in the Bible about trash and can, we want to share it with you. Because it's amazing. In fact, We've started a new ministry. We've got a website. You do overnight? 24 hours? You gotta, yeah. We're teaching people all about trash. We're just going to be amazing. Now, isn't that stupid? What, what are you going to say? Time out. I don't want to hear about trash. I don't want to hear your philosophy of trash. I don't want to hear your complaints about trash. I just want you to take out the trash. I want you to do this. But you know what we have, by and large, people? They're hearers but not doers. It's just plain out ludicrous. How could you hear this divinely inspired word of God in your heart and it not motivate you to do something as a response to His Word. Who? Everybody say, hear the Word, do the Word. Hear the Word, do the Word. Hear the Word, do the Word. In fact, I can remember this. In fact, I've got, they're my Facebook friends. I had uh, Bill and Kay Farish. They were, she was my speech teacher. I don't know if I, I owe much to her, but she's the lady I told when she first... Came and I was in seventh grade. You're going to do an impromptu speech. I said, what's that? You're just going we're going to give you a little subject. And in five minutes, you're going to get up and talk about it. I said, don't do that. She said, we well, have to. I said, well, no, I don't talk in public. Mm-hmm. This is before I got the call, obviously. Now you can't shut me up. In fact, I love to hear myself talk. Uh, I said, no, I don't do that. She said, you have to do that. She said, well, you'll funk the class. I said, write it down. I don't do that. So she coaxed me into it. But she was also a spirit-filled lady, and her husband was a spirit-filled lady, and they started a coffee house there in Red Oak when I was a junior in high school. I think, I, yeah, I got they took us on a retreat to the Baptist encampment. We, it never was the same, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues between my junior and senior year. I think that's how it worked. And they just made a huge difference in my life. And I'll never forget in that process, I had... And in my day, I was raised in what they called the Jesus generation, Jesus movement, and you had patches on your jeans and all kinds of cool things. And I had a I had a living Bible. I think I still got it that had a I made a blue jean cover on it, put a big Jesus is Lord patch on there. Man, I was in style. And I came to school one day. I said, "Miss Ferris, look. I read all of Romans last night." Like I'd done something amazing. And she popped my bubble. She said, well, did you learn anything? What did you learn out of there? I said, I don't know, but I read all the Romans. And somehow I thought that that was somehow producing fruitfulness. What she was saying is, just get something and start applying it in your life. Everybody say, hear the word, do the word. So the doer, he's the one who applies the Word of God in his life. He performs it. Uh, And so I I developed a little from verse 22 because it says verse 22, but be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Here's a little biblical uh, uh, equation for you from verse 22. Hearing the Word minus doing the Word equals self-deception. You just become self-deceived. You know, everybody's on to the devil about deceiving people. Most people don't need the devil, they just do it themselves. Am I right? The devil, he's, he's taking a nap somewhere in some people's life because they're just deceiving themselves. They don't even need the devil because they hear it, but they don't do it and, and they develop some kind of self deception. Did you know there were people in church Sunday? They love church. They loved it. Man, some of them came up to me and went, Woo, preacher, we had a great time in church. You know, there's some people, it's Easter and Christmas. And they have deceived themselves into thinking that they are righteous and Holy. And they are no more applying the word in their life and doing the word if they did they'd be in the middle of the saints uh, they'd be I don't want to be uh, they'd be more involved in God's kingdom purposes and much left involved in the things of this world that filthiness and all that overflow of wickedness that they they get all tangled up in that chokes the life of the word of God out of their heart I hear it all the time and James comes along and says you gotta hey, if you don't if you don't do it You're just deceived to the core. You've deceived yourself into thinking you don't need to apply it in your life. Somehow you are special. I don't understand. That's just the way it is. So it's a warning. And in a sense, we turn Christianity into an academic exercise rather than a lifestyle. Some people last Sunday, it was their academic exercise. It's Easter. Hey, and I'll take them anywhere I can get them because if I can get them in here and I can poke through that you know, rocky soil of their heart somehow and get a little seed down in there and something start coming forth and whoo, come out, come out wherever you are and we see a little progress. I'm all excited about that. But I'm telling you, uh, people all over America and around the world, it was an academic, religious, not in a good sense exercise that had nothing to do with transformation in their life. And let me tell you something about the Word of God. It's not just a book of information. It's a book that if you will apply it in your life, it will become a book of transformation in your life. The word of God will change your life if we start applying it in our life and hear the word, do the word, hear the word, do the word, hear the word. You render to Caesar what's, what's Caesar's. Oh, it's April 15th. I don't know about that. Maybe that doesn't apply to me. So we've got to hear the word and do the word. Now, verse 25, look at what he says. I, 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 I love this verse. He gives illustration about the guy who looks into the mirror and forget. That's pretty funny. I just got to throw the. I don't have much commentary on this other than that. The guy who hears the word but doesn't do the word, he's the guy who forgets what he looks like after he looked himself in the mirror. I didn't even know they had mirrors back in James' day. Can you imagine Jesus going, oh, my Lord, I I didn't know that, but he knew that. There's some reflection. Uh, And so the guy who hears the word but doesn't do the word, he's the guy that looks in the mirror and he walks away and forgets what he looks like. In other words, the next time he walks by the mirror, he goes, who are you? Oh, it's me. And how stupid that is, right? I don't forget what I look like. I know who I am. You don't have to convince me. I saw me once and I know who I am. But he says, the guy who hears the word but not do the word, he's just like that. He's just forgetful. He can't remember one day or the next who he was. It's like the, what's it, fifty first dates? Remember the movie? Every day she woke up and her, and her mind was blank and had to reprogram her every day. That's the way a lot of people are. They just can't remember. Oh. So, here we go. Hearing the word. Verse 25. It says, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work this one will be blessed in what he does let me just kind of take that apart for you the looks into to lean over and peer into in other words it's not a casual glance the word the perfect law of liberty someone who it's almost like uh, the the thought that I th- I think of today when I thought about the the burning bush, you know, when when uh, uh, Moses was out in the wilderness and he saw the bush that burned but was not consumed, he it just got him his attention and he had to go check it out. Uh, you'd think, well, I would too. Well, the picture is this: the Word of God, which is living and active, and sharper than any two edged sword. He who looks into it, he he who 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 spends enough time, energy, and effort. To lean into this thing and begin to look into the perfect law of liberty, what does the Bible say? What is that? You know, the, everybody say, what does the Bible say? I've had people come to me, tell me all kinds of stories about this, that, and the other, and my husband, my wife, and and over the years, this, and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. You know what you got to do? But wait, wait, wait! You can't go do that, and and now unless you just want to do what you want to do, but. You better ask yourself, what does the Bible say? Because you better lean into the Word of God here because you're at a place in your life where if you don't lean into the Word of God, the old devil's going to come and snatch you right up and spit you right out and the world will choke the life out of you. And so he says, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, this infers a close study. In other words, someone who, who studies closely what the Bible says about the circumstances of their life. Look at your neighbor and say, what does the Bible say? Now, there are some people in fact, the the Old Testament uh, uh, Pharisees and Sadducees, uh, you know, the the Pharisees, you know, those Sadducees, they were Sadducee. I don't know if you've heard that before, but they were. But you know what they would do? They'd twist the word. and, And make it In fact, Jesus cleared a lot of that up in, I think, the Sermon on the Mount and other other passages there in Matthew. You know, he said, you know, you've heard it said this, but let me tell you what the Bible says. It's not what you think or what other... It's what does the Bible say about this circumstance of my life? What does the Bible say about giving and about faithfulness and finance? What does the Bible say about marriage and righteousness and holiness What does the Bible say about family? What does the Bible say about ministry? What does the Bible say about our purpose in our... What does the Bible say? Uh, And and so he says, He who comes up to the Word of God and peers off into it and studies it closely, gets a good close-up look about what the Word of God says, what does it say about Him, and, and continues in it, And is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed, some translations say, in whatever he does. So hearing is not just... In fact, I've pulled this on people. I may have pulled it on you. I used to stand in the back and shake hands and make people feel uncomfortable. You know, I don't know if it really does or not. But visitors, you know, they come like, I don't know, it's just weird. Some people... Oh, uh, Pastor. Yeah, it's weird. They think I'm—I don't know, like I, I'm, you know, an angel or something. And ask my wife. That ain't true. But I make people uncomfortable. I don't do that much anymore. I still try to, you know, walk slowly through the crowd. But uh, listen, uh, y'all started laughing. Got me off track. Here. <laughs> <I>? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I really did get off track. I'm getting old. It's like a preacher friend of mine said, I better sit down now. I forgot what I was saying. Uh, so I'm going to just forget about that and get you back to studying closely the Word of God. If you can, if you can figure out where I was going, you can speak up, but I'm, I'm moving on. You've got to ask yourself, what does the Bible say? And plug into His Word and His will for your life through looking and leaning into and studying and applying God's word. And it says, and he continues in it. And that means to to stay near, to remain, to abide, be permanent. It's not just something, oh, I know where I was going. See, it hit me. People say, "That's that's where it was. This was the story. They shake, I shake my hand. They say, that's a great message, Pastor. And I said, "Well, what was it about?" I've done that. For, what was the main part? I, I don't know, but it was a good. Okay, you weren't listening, were you? It didn't really make a big difference in your life. You got to open. Everybody say, "Open up them ears." You got to hear. You know, even God speaks through flawed vessels. You did know that. He does. He manifests Himself. The Bible says, and His Word through preaching and teaching. We, we, we've got to open up our ears to hear and then continue in it. Stay near, remain, abide, be permanent. Let this thing be the lifestyle. See, it, it, it many people, they've got an economic, an academic exercise, but no lifestyle change when it comes to the word of God. So the word of God ought to change our life. And so we've got to continue it. He who looks into and studies and applies and, 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 and reaches into the Word of God and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. And everybody says amen. That's what Jesus said. I quoted it earlier in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. He said the exact same thing. That's where, Jesus, that's where James got it. He who continues in my Word Will be my disciples indeed. And they'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. See, you, you can't forget. you got to know it. Everybody say you got to know it. How I many of you know, it doesn't matter if you got your legs all folded up in the guru position on the floor and put on your prettiest white robe and, and put the word on your head and went... For hours when doing good, it doesn't work. That's not how it gets there. It's through an attentive study and a peering into and a learning from and a continuing in. Jesus said, You'll become my disciples indeed. In other words, there's some that think they are, but they're really not. Ooh, look, Jesus. I read a whole book. What did it change? What did you, did anything change in your life? Amen. Now let me give you. I think it's five things. Yeah, five things. Hearers and doers of the word are. Let's fill in the blank. Hearers and doers of the word are. Number one, they're protected. Verse twenty one. He says about the word of God, if you receive the implanted word, it is able to save your soul. This word is awesome. Everybody say, this is awesome. This word save, it has at least three different meanings. It means, number one, uh, it will protect you. How many of you know God's word has a protective uh, uh, capacity in your life? What did Jesus do when the devil tempted him? He kept just saying, Well, let me just tell you what the Bible says. (laughs) It is written. I'm not listening to you because I know what the Bible says. I know where I'm going and what I'm doing. And if I listen to you and I don't listen to what the Bible says, I uncover myself to your influence in my life. And that's not going to happen. Hey, hearers and doers of the Word, they're divinely, the Word of God will protect you from the demonic influences, from the fleshly influences. Number one, number two, hearers and doers of the Word are delivered. That same word, save, means not only to protect, but to deliver. And We all need deliverance in some area of our life. Did you know, if you got strongholds in your life, let me be a counselor. You, know, you want me to... Ki- you know, let me put on my counselor hat for just a second. I don't keep it on very long. Let me put my counselor hat on for just a second. And I tell people this a lot uh, when I'm counseling them about whatever reason. The, the Word of God has the answer to your life. And it doesn't matter what your hang-up is. It doesn't matter what the issues of your life are, what your daddy issues, mama issues, all those things. They're all God. Hey, He was hung up for your hang-ups. The, the, you know, God didn't look down from heaven and Dog Doggone, I forgot about that when the cross didn't cover that. How many of you get that? There's nothing here. There's nothing you've been through that God can't handle. And listen, I tell people this a lot of time. Okay, I'll say okay. So they come and they tell me their issue. I said okay, I've listened. I'm I can diagnose a few things, and now I'm going to prescribe you a few things. Now, how many of you know if you don't take the prescription? You're not going to get better. I've told people, okay, all right, here's what I want you to do. I I'll just make up something. I want you to pray and I want you to read your Bible. In fact, read read through the book of John and listen to the words of Jesus. And just every day, read through the book of John. And next week, when we come back, I want you to tell me how the word of God's made a difference in your life. And so you come back and, okay, we're sitting down. Well, how'd it go? How's everything? Oh, well, you know well did you did you read the Book of John? Well, you know I' kind of busy I didn't, but oh boy, I've had a bad day, and I need, what do they want me to do? come up and go in the name of Jesus and slap them on the head and be healed and delivered in the name of the Lord you foul spirit of stupidity come out in Jesus name am I right- Listen, you can find everything you need right there. Set you absolutely free. Now, from time to time, we need people to focus that. But when, you know, show us where it is and help us. But then you take the pill and apply the word, a doer of the word. It will protect you and deliver you. And number three, I love this third aspect of this little word save. Hey, they're healed. The word of God will heal your life. In fact, uh, it says, it'll save your soul it'll heal your soul let me tell you something this world can harm you and hurt you and people you know their words so you ever heard somebody say sticks and stones will make break my bones but words will never hurt me hogwash people are wounded battered and bruised and scarred not just because of words but but of, of trauma and relational hang-ups daddy issues mama issues you know, job issues, and they get all scarred and mean, battered and scarred. It's like the dog in the road. You ever got hit by a car? Have you ever had the terrible job of seeing a dog that got hit by a car but has not died? And you're just going, "Oh God, I oh want mercy. God, have mercy." And you want to get out there and help them. What do they do? They want to bite you when all you want to do is help them. It's the way a lot of Christians are. Come on, let me help you. Ah. They're all just, hey, hey, I've had people like that. I said, okay, you got a Bible? Read it. I'll see you later. Glory to God. You just won't come puke on me and still go, ah, no, I don't want you puking. You read your Bible about a month and we'll come back and talk because you need healing. It'll heal you. Your psyche, your brain, your emotions. Your body? In fact, Psalms 107 verse 20 says, He sent His Word and healed them. Whoo! I'm telling you, it's like a... a, There are days when I read the Bible and it seems perfunctory a little bit. You know, it's I'm doing my duty. But then there are days I read my Bible and it's like, Whoo! Jesus! This This is healing balm to my soul. He sent His Word and healed them. Number four, uh, hearers and doers of the word are used by God. Because it says this, they'll be doers of the work. In other words, we become his hand, <coughs> me, His hands extended. He said they'll do the work, the toil, the labor, the acts and the deeds. And as we'll see as we keep studying the word and he talks about pure religion, undefiled before the God and the Father is this to visit the orphans and their afflictions and take care of the widows and keep yourself unstained and unspotted from the world. Uh, You become, when you become a doer of the Word, a hearer and a doer, you become usable by God. Now, without it, He cannot use you. Are you with me? Say amen. You become useful in the Master's hands when you become a hearer and a doer. Everybody say, hear the Word. Do the Word. And then I like the last one. They're not only protected, delivered, healed, and used by God, but they're blessed. Verse 25, supremely blessed. Blessed by God. The hearer and the doer is supremely blessed, fortunate, and well off. God can trust you because He knows you'll hear it and do it and most people, when they think about blessing, they think about finance. But let me, th- let me throw this out at you. Can he trust you? A lot of, a lot of teaching in Scripture, Jesus talking about, you know, the, the good servant, the faithful servant. Can, can he trust you enough to bless you? Does he know you'll do the work? You know what I tell God all the time, nearly every day? I tell him this, Lord, if you'll help me become a trustworthy person. I'd be happy for you to bless me with millions of dollars to be faithful to invest around the world in foreign missions. One of my dreams, i am telling you, one of, my, you know what one of my dreams is to walk into lo- local churches, small local churches, I've got a number in my mind, and just say, uh, how much is the mortgage on your church? Oh, we owe $125,000. We don't know how we're ever going to pay it off. It's done. Oh, man. I met, I'm meeting with James and Titus uh, uh, tomorrow. I was with him today. He's, he's the president of Christ for India, uh, the, the oldest, longest, most tenured missions work in the Church on the Rock movement. The first missions organization out of a Church on the Rock movement. His dad and mom pioneered with a twenty-four thousand dollar investment from the mother church. They now have an amazing ministry in India. That's that's spread all over India for the glory of God. It's just phenomenal. Nine hundred kids in school, orphans, Bible school, college accreditation. Uh, I mean, it's just amazing thing. Uh, and and I and I learned something. I knew this already because I used to be on his board of directors. When you walk on their property, in your mind as an American, you think their budget has to be two or three million dollars a year. You just go how do they you think how do they do this they operate this amazing ministry they feed they make three thousand meals a day and i just it just goes on and on their budget for the year is three hundred thousand dollars how do they do it i do not know now my goal in life is to is to To take the Jameson Tituses, the Mary Tituses and say, hey, let me endow you. You'll never have to worry about budget again. Oh, I just wish I could do that. I want to be so faithful to God. So trustworthy that he would supremely bless me so I could be a greater blessing in the earth. The power of the word of God will position us that way. Hearers and doers are protected, delivered, and And let me just say, there's some things I'm working on in my life that, that, that are hindrances to that happening in my life. Let me, let me just tell you this. I'm not the most generous man on planet Earth. In fact, because of what I do, I've had every person, every person come through and try to fast talk me out of a dollar for all my ministry life. And some of them I look at and say, you are a I mean, I just, you know, you can get, you can get that way. And so I, I have to guard my heart. And there's some things in my life that, uh, that I'm not the most generous person in the world. There are many people who are way more generous than me. I got just a little bit of stingy guts on the inside that needs to be worked out. And I think God's working it out of me. But I am not there yet. Robert Morse talks about giving everything you have away. If God says it, I ain't there yet, brother. I can tell you that. He, I, I'm just, woo, But I want to be. And I have been at some point. I have given things up to the Lord. In fact, one little quick testimony. Who cares? When I accepted the call to come here, My wife and my little family lived on a little lake house on Lake Fork. I built it, and it's gorgeous, and we loved it. It was my little dream come true. And when we came here, in my mind, I could not fathom anything but I got to sell this. Because in my mind, my limited thinking, I thought, how can a preacher who doesn't make much money be able to keep his lake house when he's moving four hours away? So I'm out on the dock and I give it away to God. I did. I just gave it up. I said, Lord, that nothing another, another thing I have belongs to you. It all belongs to you. I mean, it, it's not mine, it belongs to you. And I made the break in my heart. I'm just, because I knew I had to do it, because, whoo, if you've been there, Brent's been there. It's a little bit of heaven on earth to me. And so I give it. And what, I think once I broke through, I'm feeling good. And I heard this phrase. As clear as a bell. I can take you to this. I heard this in my spirit. It was almost audible. He said, You can keep it if you want. Say, Why? And it just opened me up. First thing I did, I rented it to the incoming pastor. And then for years, I rented my little house. It's good and bad and ugly there. And then about two and a half years ago, I couldn't get a renter in it. We always wanted to have it in our own possession. I couldn't get a renter in it. We, uh, and so we just started going, and I, my budget, I couldn't afford two house payments. And, and, and so I finally found a little website, and I put us on there, and I'm now an entrepreneur. Let me just throw, I just got to tell you this. You can keep it if you want. He was thinking about me. He wanted to bless me. But when I gave it up, then he could give it back to me. You can keep it if you want. In April... I rented my property out for twenty-seven out of thirty days of the month. I have many days there. I grossed nearly six thousand. I grossed nearly six thousand dollars in one month. On my, you can keep it if you want. Hey, Amen. Hey, Amen. I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> I'm a businessman. Oh, I used to be. I love that. But hey, that's just one little. And he, you know what I'm able to be now? More generous. I don't have, I don't, I got more money than I got month. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Easter baskets didn't bug me this year. I said, babe, where would you get? I don't care. I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Every day of my life, I'm blessed. When i to wake up in the morning and lay my head to rest. I'm blessed. Now, I'm more generous. I give them, hey, that's just a little thought. I got a long way to go. But I want to be a doer of the work. I want to hear it and do it. Hear it and do it. Hear it and do it. Let's stand. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that it's going to bring forth much fruit in our life. I want everybody here just to make this your prayer tonight. Just say, help me not only to hear but to do what you've called me to do and to do the word of the Lord be a doer of the word in Jesus name everybody said amen